Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Good morning. It is Wednesday, September 9th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, and I'm joined right now for the first time ever by Brad Crawford, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Brad, it's good to talk to you. How you doing? Trey, thanks for having me, man. I'm just happy that we're talking about college football and not another delay. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to have you on because you're sort of the, the bowl expert at 24-7 Sports. Every single Sunday since you know the beginning of time, you've done bowl projections. And they're pretty accurate, and they're, they're of great interest to our audience. People love them. I like to see you know who you've got, you know, where you've got my team playing, or who you've got in the, in the bigger bowls. That's obviously going to be a challenge this year, Brad, because we've got two Power 5 conferences not playing. We've got an uncertain bowl structure. We've got more bowl slots to fill than there are uh, FBS teams playing. So I just wanted you to kind of walk us through over the next 15-ish minutes what that process is like for you this year, and I'll I'll have a few follow-ups. But you've already done uh, one bowl projection uh, the other day. I'll include it in the show notes. Tell me sort of the challenges you're facing right now. Yeah, so in terms of how I handle this weekly trade during the season, I sort of start with a rough order of – you know, order of finish type projections where I look at each team, Power 5 specifically during the summer and kind of pick a final record based on schedule, returning talent, that sort of thing. And in each conference and sort of go from there, you know, taking into consideration tie-ins and where top finishers might be slotted, you know, based on what bowl committees have done in the past. This season, man, it's an entirely different animal, you know, given the mass changes that we're expecting to see really on a week-to-week basis. You know, the the plan for bowl season this fall right now is a bit of a moving target. Um, I think there's 76 teams that we have playing for, you know, what's supposed to be 82 bowl slots. So it's clear the postseason is going to look a lot different. And right now, this far, you know, only the Red Box Bowl is the only game that has announced a cancellation. So we're at least expecting a pretty robust slate of games during the holidays. 
Yeah, you would expect if we've got the other conferences, Big Ten and Pac-12, talking about a January start date, you would expect that in the next few months, first we'd have an answer on what the Bulls will do. But more importantly, I think we'd get some clarity that I think most Bulls are going to try to play, um, given the fact that testing is going to be pretty commonplace at a daily basis across college football by that point. And, and who knows what other developments we will have. So yeah, hopefully Brad expecting a rather robust slate for the bowl season. There's a few ways to take this. I want to start with tie-ins. Like, like what do you think should be done for bowls that traditionally tie in a PAC 12 or a big 10? And everyone right now is going to scream Rose bowl, Rose bowl. That's one of the semifinal uh, locations this year for the playoff though. So I, I suppose that's not as big of a deal. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Rose bowl, the executive director, you know, he spoke on the record, I think it was last month sometime that it's still a bit premature to sort of opine on the possibility of, of playing a second Rose bowl this spring that, that had been reported on in July, you know, knowing that um, there, there was a chance that the, you know, Pac-12 and Big Ten may not play. And that, that's, a, that's a huge tie-in. The, the Rose Bowl wants to keep those two teams, you know, pitting those two conferences. And there, there's even been talk, Trey, of, of non-New Year's Six games becoming somewhat of an extension of the regular season of sorts, you know, meaning that, you know, these games might not be played several weeks after the season that we're used to seeing annually. You know, reason being is bowl organizers and committees, you know, they don't want players to be home for weeks during the holidays and then risk a game being canceled, you know, due to the slew of positive cases. So, you know, who knows how the virus is going to look three months from now. But I think right now bowl committees are aware of the likelihood of spread and, you know, it, it may continue. But um, like I mentioned, as of now, we've got 41 bowl games scheduled and I think tie-ins over the coming months are, are going to change significantly. If you were in charge of the bowl process, what would, how would you be, how would you be doing this, Brad? If, if the PAC 12 and the big 10 never join us, are you, are you bringing in, you're obviously bringing in FCS teams, right? Um, you're doing sub 500 teams and at the, at the power five level, perhaps like what, what's objective number one here? Yeah, you know, certainly bowl games are supposed to be a reward for programs finishing, you know, 500 or better, six and six usually. So, so this fall, I think games are going to be uh, watered down somewhat. You know, it's, it, it's not like committees will be able to select teams out of thin air. So in order to fill slots, these requirements are going to have to change. And, you know, we're going to see several, I'll just call them bad teams in bowl games, you know, maybe two and eight teams, three and seven, just to make sure we have that robust, full 41 game slate you know if if I was on the committee of of one of the New Year's six games you know one of those big four outside of the playoff I would certainly try to keep my long-standing tie-ins you know I I spoke to the Orange Bowl director this spring you know long before we've had postponements and cancellations in college football and you know he was saying that they're going to do everything in their power to keep the you know SEC ACC slash Notre Dame uh, tie-in and that's going to happen in these New Year's Six games. Luckily for the Rose Bowl, that's one of the playoff games this season, so, so they're going to get a good, a good matchup regardless. But I think, you know, you're going to see a bowl like the Citrus Bowl, you know, normally pitting SEC and Big Ten every year. You might see a UCF versus SEC uh, just to, you know, keep a team like UCF close to home or, you know, Cotton Bowl might, might have a team like Texas. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think the New Year's Six uh, has a little less – 
uh, leeway in in terms of selecting different teams, but th- those you know slew of bowl games outside of the New Year's Six, we're going to see some first time ever matchups, and I'm pretty excited about it actually. Yeah, so let's talk about a few of those. I, I pulled up your bowl projections here, and so what you're going to do um, is wait until the midseason point to expand, like the the more the the earlier bowl games, correct? Yeah, like I mentioned, man, is is such a moving target right now that we don't even know if you know we're going to see 41 full games. I know for a fact that the New Year's Six is going to play. You know, you're going to see the long-standing bowls like the Holiday Bowl. Um, all, all the big non-New Year's Six, Outback, Music City, Citrus, all those games involving SEC teams, we're going to still play those. They just aren't going to have those Big 12 tie-ins. Pac-12 also in, in several major bowls. So uh, before I you know, project 41 games every Sunday night, I've, I've kind of limited it to, to 15, man, just to have uh, somewhat of an accurate projection until about October. That's, that's when I think we're going to know more from bowl committees when you know, teams have five or six games under their belt. I think that's smart. All right, so let's let's run a f- through a few of these. People, people, uh, I think they're going to be interested sure. in this. So, Camping World Bowl in Orlando. Um, that's traditionally uh, Big Twelve ACC, and you you got that kept with Iowa State Virginia Tech, which would be a good game. Those two teams should both finish under five hundred. Bounce into the the Liberty Bowl. Here's our first instance, Brad, that you mentioned of a bowl season with you know a, a team who won three games or four games. Mississippi State versus Kansas State. And like if you look at the final record, if you just project those teams to be three and seven or four and six, you might say yuck, but like it's still bowl season, and I still think it's understood that in a normal year, those two programs would be five hundred teams with with non conference play. So I don't mind that pick, and and I think I can I can talk myself into someone being below five hundred and making a bowl game. Like I don't I don't need to see Vanderbilt in the bowl in the bowl grid, Brad. Like at zero and ten or one and nine, but like I don't see anything wrong with a, a four and six Mississippi State in a bowl game. Yeah, you know we're gonna have to have some sort of stipulation, Trey, where if if you go zero and ten this season, you just can't be bowl eligible. I mean it 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 just can't no happen. Chance. No one no one no one's gonna watch those games. I mean look look at a team like Arkansas. Probably the the likelihood of of a one in nine is is high for first year coach Sam Pittman, but a, a one in nine might be good enough to to get in one of those outer tier SEC tie in bowl games. But again, back to your question though, you know that Mississippi State Kansas State matchup, we're probably going to see a dozen or so games, you know, pitting five hundred or or worse teams, and you know more college football games the better, especially after the you know strenuous off season that we've all had. Absolutely. And you mentioned more college football games. This won't happen, but I wonder if a real spunky group of five school, like a Houston or something, would would jump at the chance to play two bowl games if if the game was spaced out by a week because maybe they lost a few regular season games or something. I don't How crazy know. Like, would that be? It, it sounds insane, but it's it's been quite the year, so I'm not going to just say it, it's not going to happen. I mean, I mean, speaking of group of five teams, so, so this is the year, Trey, that I think if a group of five team finishes unbeaten, say, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF maybe, and, and they don't make the playoff despite, you know, a few power five elites having a loss, I think that's going to solidify the idea that a non-power five program will never make the Final Four, especially, the, you know, with the Big Ten and Pac-12 being out of the mix this season. You know, Bill Hancock has said in recent weeks that the committee will rank teams based on play on the field. 
So if, if one of those group of fives finishes 10-0 and, and, and wins a conference title and still cannot crack the Final Four, you're going to hear a lot of griping about either playoff expansion or just the fact that maybe those teams should go play a tournament of themselves. Yeah, just to hit on the nexus of playoff expansion and bowl season, do you believe that if the playoff expanded to eight games, bowls in a normal year would just be tremendously watered down, Brad? I think it would be. You know, you're going to see, I guess you call them quarterfinal matchups with, you know, three or four touchdown spreads at, you know, in, in some point. And, you know, and, and speaking of that, though, the, the bowl committees would, would love to host another you know, playoff game. I guess you can still call it that if if we expand to eight. You know, th- those those four games of the New Year's Six that aren't included in the playoff this season, they would love to, you know, flex the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl as a as a playoff game. Um, I just don't think you know, unless we have maybe two top seeds getting buys and and some auto berths, which I've never been a fan of auto berths based on you know strength of schedule and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's hard to say, but I. I think we will move to an eight-team expansion in the future. But as you mentioned, water down at least the first few years. Absolutely. All right, we're going to keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll go quickly through these. Music City Bowl, Memphis versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss would hate that. Um, they, I, I don't think they want to play Memphis, but that would be a great game. Alamo Bowl, TCU versus Kentucky. That looks good to me. Brad, Gator Bowl, Louisville versus South Carolina. So you know South Carolina pretty well. Like, what would be your win loss projection for the Gamecocks this year? Probably three and seven. Okay, so that's one of those. That, that's, that's one of those, that's one of those yeah. games where where Louisville could be six and four. You know, playing an SEC team that just kind of squeaks in. Outback Bowl. We've got this is fun, really fun. Cincinnati versus LSU. You know that we do a week worth of uh, weeks worth of podcasts on why LSU is going to drop a little bit this year, but. I'm interested more here in, in Cincinnati in the Outback Bowl. I would assume, Brad, that's not usually a tie for the American. Am I wrong? Is that just a, a good spot for them? That's correct. And, and the Outback Bowl would, would love, you know, a number 11 or number 10, you know, one loss or two loss Cincinnati team against a defending national champion that's probably going to finish, you know, five and five or six and four. That'd be a good matchup for not just viewers, but, you know, media members alike. So Citrus Bowl usually has a big 10. Um, tie Big in. Ten SEC. Big Ten SEC. You've gone Miami, Tennessee, which would just be great television. Um, that's that's interesting there. Cotton Bowl. Yeah, you've got Texas A and M versus Oklahoma State. That's you know that's what that's what the Cotton Bowl is. Big Twelve SEC. Peach Bowl. Auburn versus North Carolina. Is that always an ACC SEC? It is, and and that matchup just kind of makes sense to me. You know, we were going to get Auburn UNC anyway before the cancellations and, and schedule revisions this season. And I, I think it's a game that, you know, both fan bases were pretty excited for. So that would that would make sense to me as, you know, Auburn's probably a third-place division finisher in the West, and UNC might be second or third in the ACC. All right, you've got Texas versus Central Florida in the Fiesta Bowl. So clearly not believing in the Longhorns making the playoff. If they're ever going to do it, maybe this is the year. And then the Orange Bowl. Hey, you don't have Georgia making it either. Notre Dame versus Georgia. Both of those games are really good. And then Brad, I think I guess the the next ones are just not so much like what game makes sense, but you've just got your playoff pick. So let's run through that there. Uh Clemson versus Florida in the Sugar Bowl. And then Oklahoma versus Alabama, Alabama being the two seed in the Rose Bowl. Why are you a believer in Florida this season? 
so I think Florida's schedule sets up for success. You know, schedule favorability, at least in the preseason when I'm making these bowl projections, means means everything to me, even more so than, you know, coaching advantages or, or even talent, so to speak. Um, I think Florida's a team that probably finishes 9-1 and one with a loss to Georgia and, and gets that at-large bid because I've got Georgia losing twice this season. First in Tuscaloosa to Bama during the regular season and, and second in the SEC championship game. And I think if Florida's – I mean, if – if Florida's only loss is to a division champion, you know, they would be a sexy at-large pick at number four. Absolutely. Brad Crawford, this is good stuff. I look forward to having you on again as we sort of try to figure out what's going to happen with bowl season. I'm excited, man. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. Thanks again to Brad for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Tiny Levitt, for putting together this show. My name is Trey Scott. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.